Blog Talk Radio. You're searching for something whole, cause what you see realize. You're watching this world unfold, the truth beneath the lies. Rekindling what's been sold, the need to free one's mind. Uncover the truth exposed, so people see the light. Let's get it down so we can know. It's simple, we just break it down to little bits so we can process all. Make the switch to elevation, self the conscious mode. And it's beneficial, we can get this concept of and get the future. Generations who want to stop the whole thing With the message demonstrating we can start opposing Taking in the simulating, getting lots of knowledge Breaking up the population, trying to stop hypnosis Trinidad Radio is coming to you live from the Hawaiian Islands Coming from the perspective of complete freedom Coming from wisdom, outside the system, and then some This is the mouthpiece of the natural earth forgotten At this point in time, humanity's been kept from the truth So Trinidad Radio offers the coordinates to a path out you're searching for something whole, cause what you see realize You're watching this world unfold, the truth beneath the lies Rekindling what's been stole, the need to free one's mind Uncover the truth exposed, so people see the light Let's shut it down so we can know It's simple, we just break it down a little bit so we can process all Make the switch to elevate yourself to conscious mode And it's beneficial, we can get this kind of rose And get the future generators want to start the whole thing With the message demonstrated, we can start a post Taking in the simulating, getting lots of numbers Waking up the population, trying to stop hypnosis Trying to stop hypnosis You were trying to show people the world Besides the trance that they're caught up in, something new, something different, trying to break the trance. Welcome to Chin It Down Radio, where we deprogram from the deep program. Hopefully I'm coming through. I uh, had a little trouble here logging in, and I think everything is just all right. But uh, you just kind of don't know with these shows, but I hope I'm coming through. Welcome to Chin It Down Radio. This is episode 76, and this episode is part three of the Beyond Earth series, and I call this episode Cultures with Cre- Creatures. And uh, that will be going over, you know, just shortly here. Um, I might be giving you another episode real soon because I may be off the radio for a little longer than two weeks. So I'll give you a little extra uh, chant down and a little extra words before I'm off the radio longer than normal. Of course, you know, this show is always kind of here and there, but I've been trying to do every other Monday at 12 o'clock Hawaiian time. Well, I think I'll be able to give you this every other Monday, 12 o'clock on this Monday, but I got some spare time on a Saturday, which is rare, and I thought I would uh, fill you in with this show, and then hopefully I'll give you another show, and I might be off the radio for uh, maybe just two or three more weeks, and I'll get right back into things again, but give you some stuff to listen to for a while. Of course, there's the archives and everything, but uh, that's uh, always the... um, stuff you can listen to cuz I designed these episodes really to for people to listen to in segments cuz um these episodes are like mini books or <clears throat> lecture series if you will or you know they're they're meaty there's a lot in them so you can take it in segments you know listen to a little bit on your way to work uh listen to it while you clean the house you know they're not incredibly entertaining but it's it's a radio show talking about the things that people need to hear on planet earth and not many people chant it down so 
I guess it's up to me and just a few others here on planet Earth. So yeah, welcome, welcome to Channel Radio. If it's your first time listening, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the uh, the earlier episodes. In fact, this series of shows is an abstraction from the normal series of shows that I create uh, or the normal things I talk about on the show. Um, this is an abstraction on the show, but if you want to at least catch this from the beginning, <clears throat> as far as the series of shows called the Beyond Earth series, go back to episode 74 part one of the Beyond Earth series. It's now part three. So jumping right in the middle is like jumping right in the middle of a conversation and being like, huh? Huh? What'd you say? What? What? You know, go back to the part one and then you will be able to uh, kind of get into the stream of, of flow of the, the the presentation I'll be giving today. And I will take callers a little bit later if you like, um, but because of the presentation, I'd like to get the information out. It'd be nice to wait till the end, but I'll give out the call-in number for now, which is 347-324-3342. 347-324-3342. If you'd like to call into Channel Down Radio, you are welcome to uh, do so, uh, but I may not get to you right away because I kind of want to get through some information that is um, all a continuation of the shows that I've been doing. So this would be part three of this Beyond Earth series. And for this series of shows, you know, I'll be getting um, mostly guests to fill in the gaps that I cannot bring the information forth with. I have to get people in that, you know, know it a lot better than me. And I will be doing that um, because, and and during this series of shows too, I'm going to try to find a wide range of ways to show you this picture, which has so many variations, variables, possibilities, and that's why a lot of people don't get into the subject matter that I've been talking about, which is the UFO and extraterrestrial phenomenon and things of that nature, because a lot of people just, they, there's no solid evidence and solidarity even in the evidence that people dismiss it. But a lot of people dismiss it because, basically, They've never done any research at all. And that's about just about anything. They just say, oh, that couldn't be possible because of this reality. Well, um, you know, with this series of shows, we come open-minded but skeptical to this information. We're looking at facts and considering many options so we can come into an informed conclusion, right? So, But because there's a myriad of ways to view this material – a myriad of questions and myriad of perspectives come out of it. So it's easy, I think, for people to brush off this subject because it seems like it has nothing to do with our lives and it's basically an interest just for quote-unquote kooks, you know? And, well, if you listen to my show, I I try to bring it always back down to planet Earth and, and things that you can research yourself and I don't go off on some tinfoil hat wearing uh, limb, but I'm not afraid to at the same time. Because really, if you look at how the information takes you certain places, you realize that it's not what some people judge from the outside. So um, this topic of ET and UFO phenomena is much greater than just the cover story people judge. It's much greater than just, you know, quote-unquote aliens, you know. Um it's a true look at how the earth has been touched by some types of supernatural presences and and it and it really um lends a whole new look uh breaking paradigms that exist cuz we only see a certain way and out of this world and unexplainable but it all links 
into how we've been kept from the real truth in knowing a much more unique past and present we never knew. It also makes a lot more sense. The world starts to make more sense. Um, so, so it great. It's 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 important to uh, kind of take a, a, a deeper look and just and uh, sit back and you know I'll go over a few things here with you. And well, I think that this topic is important because we're being kept from a, a bigger knowledge, a bigger picture that involves us looking deeper into human life. And we're being kept from living freely on this planet by civilization, leaders, laws, a monetary system, governments, etc. And this is all alien to this planet. It's not Earth's way. It's a foreign way of existence on planet Earth. So we're being fed everything we know from a controlled world to keep us a certain way. A, a lot of work is being done against you actively every single day to keep you in the frequency that this elite wants to keep us on. So uh, the way that the global elite stay, the global elite, is because they keep us actively disconnected from the knowledge of this world, our, our ancient past. And, and we th this world that we think is all there and, it, and it's all – everything that we know is – you know, we think we know it all. That's, that's a real uh, common problem with a lot of attitudes out there is people that think that they know just because they've, they've been through the system and they've been indoctrinated so much that way. But that's the certain frequency that doesn't go beyond and – and that's what we're trying to do here. And, then, and then this type of existence can be really traced back to ancient Sumer, as we took a look at in the past shows. The very thing that is enslaving our minds, bodies, and consciousness really has an origin. And if you want to take a look, well, you know, then it's there for you to take a look. And we're, we're taking a look at the possibilities. And, you know, um, notice when you get into this information – that there's really um, anything regarding anthropology, history, archaeological, ar <coughs> excuse me, archaeological things. Um, you have big blocks of control feeding you filtered information. You know, you got things like National Geographic, the Discovery Channel, Smithsonian, the History Channel. You you got you got um, all these these blocks that are telling you reality. And notice the, the Freemasonic symbolism they have. I mean, of course, you know, high-level Masons put these control groups out there. And, and one of the most important things to know, I think, about Freemasonry is that they all take an oath of secrecy. So someone can, can hold an oath is someone who can be trusted and shows that they can keep a secret. And so you have, you know, a lot of people in these, these secret societies – or not even so secret, you know, like Freemasons. They're just there. They don't know the bigger scheme of things, but they they are trusted because they can keep an oath. Um, and uh, but uh, but I also look at it like this too. I mean, you, you know, these the symbols of the Freemasons and everything. They all come from ancient rituals. But you know, most of the people that even maybe put them on there as, as a logo are just kind of given their kind of like their their gang sign almost about it, you know. Um but I also look at it that they keep the world in that little square for a reason. I mean, notice 
Notice uh, National Geographic and the History Channel have a square for a symbol. And the square is a deep symbol in Freemasonry. It might look like some simple symbol. Most people probably don't even think about it. You know, they just go, oh, that's this National Geographic symbol. They probably don't even think about that. That's just what they identify with. But it's a square. And I, I think it's symbolic of how they're keeping us in that square, that little square. And don't and not to look outside that square that they put there. You know, the Smithsonian has a sun in a circle, and that's their symbol, and it's it's like they've captured it and the solar system inside that circle. They they own that view, you know. You can look at it symbolically like that. Um and and the Discovery Channel, they has an has Earth as a symbol, but you know, maybe that's not a direct um uh, Masonic symbol. Maybe maybe it has something to do with it. Probably does, but uh, it could be just the placement of a circle somehow in, in the in the logo. But what I'm saying is basically they're saying that in their way they own they own, symbolically they own the Earth that their Earth view that they're putting out there. You know, and I would say if you really want to get into deep details with all this, go on to Freeman um, uh, Freeman who I've had on the show. Go to freemantv.com, and uh, you know he gets deep into the decoding of the Freemasonic symbols, and that's not what this subject's about. But I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of um, going over just how how these these big blocks of these big filters out there filter your information, and it's almost like they are, um, you know, kind of keeping the information from you, and, and symbolically their symbols are creating just that. Um, so, also there is UNESCO, which formed after World War II and created at some time, around the same time as the uh, United Nations. And of course, World War II has has a, was a major merger of global powers because out from it you had consolidation of global powers such as the United Nations, um, IMF, World Bank. All that came from that time period where they consolidated the world's powers. And so it worked out really well. But UNESCO is another one of those things that came out of that time, and that's who protects all these ancient sites around the world and creates, um, you know, barriers. And 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 uh, I'll get into that more on another show. But uh, I think so many stories, so many so many ancient and modern accounts dismissed because it doesn't align with science. It doesn't align with the viewpoint that that these big conglomerate companies and everything are pushing out, you know, it doesn't, it's outside their square. And, uh, yet there, there is, there is way too much to ignore. There's a mountain of evidence, different evidence that can be, excuse me, <clears throat> connected. And if you, you know, you connect the dots, there really is something to look at. And see, people's minds don't often work that way. They don't want to get into that dot connecting. And that's where, you know, a lot of people, you lose a lot of commoners out there. I mentioned in episode 74 that there are a lot of consistencies with ancient accounts. Um, when I was talking about on the last show, or no, on yeah, that was episode 74, you know, there are a lot of consistencies when you read the mythos of a lot of the different <clears throat> um, ancient peoples. And and some of them I mentioned were like uh, civilizers, civilizers, those that those 
those that wanted to civilize and and bring people into a controlled circumstance. Um, another one would, you know, these are these are things that are out of the rhythm of life. These are things that are out of natural law. And so human sacrifice, uh, another one, um, having gods of war, and having half breed people who are demigods and links to the gods. You know, there's a lot of that in many cultures. Um, contact with other beings, uh, advanced knowledge of the stars and planets and, and the way the earth works in ways that you could really only know if you had uh, a deep link into science and basically you know, some of the knowledge that some cultures had, it's like you would have had to almost leave the earth to figure this stuff out, you know? Uh, another another thing that, that a lot of these um, <clears throat> consistencies with ancient cultures which I'll get into today, is giants. And it sounds crazy at first. All this probably sounds pretty crazy, but, you know, it's what they talk about, uh, giants. Uh, Of course, bloodlines, you know, very important to a lot of these cultures. Um, And enslavers, you know, people that wanted to enslave other cultures. And when I did talk about the hybrids, I talked about this bloodline, a lot of these bloodline people, that was in episode 74, I briefly touched on hybrids as part of this and looked into China, India, Polynesia, the Aztecs, the Inca, the Maya. So I went over a little bit of that. Uh, but we're going to look into some other cultures today and how, and how they've influenced, been influenced by these strange outside sources or forces, you know. Um, so to say that these cultures' histories are just myth is really – it's insulting to any one of these cultures. And to say that it's all made up and it's disregarding years of word-of-mouth history, you know, it's offensive to really – and of course, people don't think of it that way because the, a lot of people are very locked into their brain like that, that left brain science and, oh, that's just myths. But do you really think that they would have just make all of this up out of thin air? I mean, sure, um, with history, there's the game of telephone. Yeah, I know, you know, when you when you tell someone to seek it around a room, and then that, by the time you get around the circle of 25 people or something, that word becomes something totally different. I get that. I totally get that. However, um, we're people that live with a very short attention span. We're people in today's world who go from one thing to the next, not thinking about much at all. So that's when you play the game of telephone. But when you have a culture who passes on to another culture, and they're not going to work every day, and they're not switching their attention to this and that, then you have a whole different circumstance of things passed down through generations that that culture found important. Just like people today, this culture finds important that you better get a good job because you better make it in the system. Well, that obviously has gone down a lot of lines and and people think that that's normal. Well, it's the same thing, only these are things that are, are important links to the past. And sure, there's good stories and myths that were created in for for lesson teaching and, and metaphors. You know, not everything is literal, for sure. I understand that too. And but I think there was stories also that came from the psychedelic realm. You know, a lot of cultures dove into the psychedelics and and came out with, you know, some probably some pretty big abstractions. 
But then there's the creation myths and things regarding origins and that cultures fully believed in, not just these metaphorical stories, but real things that cultures believed in. And it would be ignorantly rude to disregard it without taking a look at a look, just at least take a look, you know. So um, one of the, the cultures that really uh, baffles a lot of people is the Dogon tribe of Western Africa, Northwestern Africa. Um, they believed in the Nomo. And so the Nomo are ancestral spirits, sometimes referred to as deities, worshipped by the Dogon tribe of Mali. The word Nomos is derived from a Dogon word meaning to make one drink. The Nomos are usually described as amphibious, hermaphroditic, fish-like creatures. Pictions of the Nomos show creatures with humanoid upper torsos, legs, feet, and fish-like lower torso and tail. The Nomos are also referred to as masters of the water, the monitors, and the teachers. The Nomos descended from the sky in a vessel accompanied by fire and thunder. After arriving, the Nomos created a reservoir of water and subsequently dove into the water. The Dogon legends state that the Nomos required a watery environment in which to live. The Nomo divided his body among men to feed them. That is why it is also said that as the universe had drunk of his body... The Nomo also made men drink. He gave all his life principles to human beings. The Nomo was crucified on a tree, but was resurrected and returned to his home world. Dogon legend has it that he will return in the future to revisit the earth in a human form. Hmm. You know, that rings a little bell. Kind of sounds like Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, and that's uh, the thing is there's a lot of things that really uh, are baffling about uh, a lot of these stories. It's just there are similarities. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm no Bible expert, but I when when um, they say had drunk of his body or the Nomo also made men to drink, you know, I believe there is something in the Bible that says about drinking of the, the spirit or the word, you know, kind of a metaphor. But um, anyway... But the Dogen, you know, you could just dismiss this whole story and go, well, that's just, that's just them and their their storytelling around the campfire. But here's a culture, the Dogon came out of nowhere, kind of like the Sumerians, where they just came out of nowhere and made these interesting. Um, this culture made these interesting um, dugouts, kind of into the actual cliff side. And, and made made homes and and they had a pretty advanced and unique way of living on planet Earth. So they were touched by something, but maybe the bigger, bigger, most obvious thing that I talked about before is the Dogon had knowledge of Sirius, the star, and Sirius B, which you can't even see from the naked eye. And so um, these fish-garbed people, this this fish people, well, that also goes into other things in earth too there's a site in bolivia near lake titicaca it's called tiwanaco 
And um, inside that megalithic site, there is a statue called El Fra Ile, which is is some type of uh, fish man. And this fish garb figures are similar to the Mesopotamian figures and Assyrian fish garb people. So there we have a link to the other side of the planet and talking about, you know, some of the things that are over there. Uh, the the Sumerian tablets had fish. In fact, Enki was often uh, kind of symbolized as a fish. It's all, it's all very interesting, you know, very interesting to say the least. But here, let me just read to you a little something here from um, that connects here from, from one of my favorite books, The Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock. And if you haven't read that, I think it's a great place to start in getting into some of this information. And you can't deny, once you've seen or you've read some of this and gone to some of these places too, it helps to really kind of open your eyes. Here, let me see if I can find my place in the book here. Okay. Um, it seemed, therefore, that El Fraile was a portrayal of an imaginary or symbolic fishman. The figure was also equipped with a belt sculpted with the images of several large crustaceans. So this notion seemed all the more probable. What had been intended? I had learned of one local tradition I thought might shed light on the, this matter. It was very ancient and spoke of gods of the lake with fishtails called Chulu, Chulua or Uman, Umantua. And this and in this in this were f- the fish garb figures. It seemed that there was a curious out of place echo of Mesopotamian myths which spoke strangely at length about amphibious beings endowed with reason, who had visited the land of Sumer in remote prehistory. The leader of those beings was named Ones or Uan, according to the Chaldean scribe Barosus. And it says, according to the Chaldean scribe, the whole body of Onus was like that of a fish, and it had under a fish's head another head and also feet below, similar to those of a man, subjoined to the fish's tail. His voice, too, and language was articulate and human, and a representation of him is preserved even to this day. When the sun set, it was the custom of this being to plunge again into the sea and abide all night in the deep, for he was amphibious. According to the traditions reported by Barosis, Ones was above all a civilizer. So there we go, a civilizer, as I talked to him about earlier. And here it says, In the daytime he used to converse with man, but took no food at that season. And he gave insight into letters and sciences and every kind of art. He taught them to construct houses, to, to found temples, to compile laws, and explained to them that the principles of geometrical knowledge. He made them distinguish the seeds of the earth and showed them how to collect fruits. In short, he instructed them in everything which could tend to soften manners and to humanize Mankind from that time, so universal were his instructions. Nothing has been added materially by way of improvement. Okay, well, but you know, so two sides of the world talking about some kind of a fish people, and and 
it's just something to consider. Just consider it. You know, you don't have to believe in it. But there's a lot. There's a lot to, uh, you know, um, really look when people are civilizers and making laws and creating something that is not natural to Earth's ways on Earth. You know, where does that begin from? Something it began from something. These all have origins. But moving along here, you know, from the fish people, just in the same kind of part of the uh, world, the Sahara Desert, uh, you know, I butcher names on this show all the time, so you're used to it by now. But anyway, uh, there is a area, and it's called Tassili and Azure, and it shows some type of being with possibly a helmet, two strange eyes, they're kind of, you know, uh, sort of slanted and misplaced. It looks like he has sort of kind of like fingers on his head and there's disc shapes in the background. And of course, there's, there's a few other rock art depictions of interesting beings some wearing what looks like helmets um, and just not, not Earth-like figures. You could say, okay, well, they were taking mushrooms out there getting high out on their minds and they drew these on the walls which I'm not going to say didn't didn't happen but these are it's interesting the disc shape in the air because as you know the disc shape as we see modern day UFOs you know it's just these is exactly looks just like that so you know check it out if you want to check out this um maybe I can find a way to put images on this uh radio show sometime so you can see what I'm talking about but you can they'll spell this out T as in Tom A S S I L I space N apostrophe A J J E R you know if you type that in Sahara Desert you'll see what I'm talking about so th- then we go to Australia um the Australian Aboriginal tribes you know and there are many many different tribes with many different legends just like the Native Americans. But uh, one of the most intriguing and perplexing legends is the Australian Aboriginal people of the that talk about the Wanginas. And the Wanginas, the supreme spirit beings and creators of the land and people. Wangina is spelled W-A-N-D-J-I-N-A-S. You know, check that out online. And you'll see the images of these these beings painted on these rocks. And these are ancient, you know, possibly 50,000 years old, 30, 50,000 years old. And so, um, and many raise logical questions. Because if you look at these, um, these are painted white. So, and may, uh, one of the questions would, why were the Wanginas painted with white skin if it was representing another aboriginal of whom have had dark skin, and Aboriginal skin is just as dark as any African, any Indian, East Indian, yeah. So, you know, this is a strange-looking being all covered white. And why were the eyes always painted so disproportionate to the face and the nose? They were big eyes, white skin, and they're always painted without a mouth. Well, you can kind of get the idea there. But the story of the Wanjina goes like this. The Wanjina were sky beings or spirits from the clouds who came down from the Milky Way during dream time and created the earth and all its inhabitants. Then Wanjina looked upon the inhabitants and realized the enormity of the task and returned home to bring more Wanjinas. 
With the aid of the Dreamtime Snake, the Wangina descended in and spent their Dreamtime creating, teaching, and being gods to the aboriginals whom they created. After some time, the Wanginas disappeared. They descended into the earth and since then have lived at the bottom of the water source associated with each of the paintings. There they continually produce new child seeds, which are regarded as a source of all human life. Some Wangina also return to the sky and can now be seen at, at night as lights moving high above the earth. Aboriginal people in the Kimberley also believe that even after they disappeared, the Wangina continued to control everything that happened on the land and in the sky and the sea. Well, I mean, when you take all that, and I mean, it's it's just like, here you go, it's a stereotypical UFO uh, encounter. You got yourself these typical, you know, sounds like, what people call greys, grey aliens with the large black eyes, this the kind of oval tapered face, you know, hard no mouth or, you know, just a slit for mouth, no nose. So that was exactly what the Wangina cave paintings look like. And then you have sky beings can be seen as lights moving high above the earth. And coming from the sea also. So, uh, yeah, that that is that is uh, uh, very telling, and I mean puzzling, you know, and something to hold on to and just think about. But one of the oldest cultures in the world are the Aboriginal peoples, and uh, Dreamtime is an amazing way to get in touch with the past, present, and future as one, which I've talked about on other shows. But moving along to Mongolia. So uh, Mongolia, uh, a long time ago in Mongolia, the Mongolian creation myth says, Father Heaven had two sons, Olgan Tinger and Arig Khan. The first one became the lord of the upper world and the second one of the underworld. At the same time, at that time, the earth was covered with just water. The next task that Ulgen Tanger decided to create was to create animals and humans using the mud to live in the land. Then he created the dog to watch over the new bodies while he was gone. Erlog, or Erig Khan, was not happy at all to see all the new creations and decided to see the new bodies destroy them. So then you can also dovetail this with the Sumerian text. Again, the Anunnaki story. Notice the creation using mud. If you remember in episode 74, I went over how it's similar to the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki where in which they were talking about mixing their genes with the clay of the earth and, and creating these beings, us, or supposedly humans. Uh, and then again, you have two creator sons, just like Enki and Enlil, one brother was not happy with all the creations. He wanted to kill him in Lil, you know. So there, uh, another thing that kind of dovetails with all this. And so you can go around the world. Um, a lot of people don't even realize that there are Nor Norwegian natives 
I had a uh I had the the pleasure of meeting some here in Hawaii. And I know that sounds pretty far away, but uh in Hawaii I didn't get to go, but they had a conference, it was a meeting of indigenous peoples. And so I happened to sit next to one of them on a plane ride and uh I got to meet one of them and she was telling me she's a Norwegian Norwegian native and they're called the Sami and uh they're you know a Caucasian race but you know you don't really get hear about many indigenous Caucasian tribes but they have a creation myth and um traditionally the Sami the Sami believed that specific spirits were associated with certain places and with the deceased. Many of their myths and legends concerned the underworld. Others involved the Stalos, a race of troll-like giants who ate humans or sucked out their strength like through an iron pipe. Many tales involved Sami outwitting the Stalos. So here we have giants. Another thing that seems to go around the world, these giants. You can take this over to the Inuit peoples of of uh today uh Alaska natives um uh, which are are one of the many tribes up there but and and Canada but the Inuit believed also in giants the giants lived on the land and ate plants that they gathered this is one of these and I'm getting a lot of these um these creation myths I've got from uh more than one place but I have got a lot of them from ancient myths or ancient origins it's a it's a website that i can give out a little later but uh good to read up on your own but anyway the giants lived on the land and ate plants that they gathered one day when it was almost winter a mother giant and a father giant had a baby girl her name was sedna as the days got shorter sedna got bigger and bigger every day she got bigger soon she was huge bigger than her giant mother and father she got so big that there wasn't enough food for her anywhere. She got so hungry that she started to bite her mother and father's legs. Well, that was too much for her parents. They managed to push Sedna into a blanket, and between them they carried her to their canoe. It was dark, but there was a moon to see by, and they paddled the canoe out to the sea. When they got way out in the middle of the ocean, where you couldn't even see the land, they dumped Sedna overboard into the cold water and left her to drown. Ashamed of themselves for dumping their own daughter overboard, but they got—they had just started when the canoe stopped. They couldn't seem to make it go, no matter how hard they paddled. They saw Sedna's huge hands were holding the canoe and rocking it. She was going to toss them into the ocean and they would drown. So Sedna's mother and father started to chop at Sedna's fingers with their sharp stone knives, and they cut off her fingers one by one. Ouch. But as Sedna's big fingers splashed into the water, they changed into animals. One finger became a whale, one finger became a seal, one finger became a walrus, one finger became a salmon. Sedna swam to the bottom of the ocean and stayed there. The The fish built her a tent there to live in. She still lives there, and if we are hungry, we can ask Sedna to send us more food, even in the winter. So there you have more of a, a uh, uh, maybe what would sound like around the fire tale, you know, uh, a metaphorical tale, possibly. But you have giants. 
And it, it could easily dismiss that tale as just something like, you know, some fire campfire story, but it has validity in the giants. And again, uh, the underwater too, but, um, but yeah, see, there's a lot of things that are very similar that keep, seem to dovetail around the world. One of my favorite cultures that still exists barely today is the Hadzabe or the Hadza, which come from Tanzania, Africa. There's less than a thousand people of this culture left. Very ancient culture. Um, similar language as the Bushmen with the click sounds of the Kalahari. However, they're actually genetically not related to anyone on planet Earth. They have their own culture, uh, and about 300 left that are actual hunter-gatherers. Now, uh, I think I've said before on the show that it was the Emirates of uh Middle East that bought the land and kicked them off their reserve uh, for a while. I think they're back on their reserve. But this last holding on, one of the last hunter-gatherer tribes in the world, was kicked off their land. Now they're back on. But they have a great oral history, too. And the Hadza's oral history of their past is divided into four epochs, all right? So each inhabited by a different culture. According to this tradition, um, in the beginning of time, the world was inhabited by hairy giants called Aka'anebe or Gelanebe, ancestors. The Aka'anebe did not possess tools or fire. They hunted game by staring at it, and it fell dead. They ate the meat raw. They did not build houses, but slept under trees, as the Hadza do today in the dry season. In older versions of the story, fire was not used because it was physically impossible in the Earth's primitive state. Uh, in the second epoch, the Aka'anebe were succeeded by the Talanebe, equally gigantic, but without fur. Fire could be used be made and used to cook meat, but animals had grown more wary of humans and had to be chased and hunted with dogs. The Talatanebe were the first people to use medicines and charms to protect themselves from enemies initiated the, the Epeme rite. They lived in caves. Okay, so I know that's a, a real mouthful there, but take take from this what you will. The hairy giants. All right, giants that lived in caves. That'll continue throughout this talk today. Hairy giants um, is, well, sound. I mean, I know all this sounds just ridiculous at first, but these hairy giants were um, possibly what Lo uh, Lloyd Pye, who is a researcher, postulated a, a theory. And he was thinking in his works that the hairy giants are what we call Bigfoot. And it makes a lot of sense when you look into it how how he says. Um, you know, he was talking about, you know, because a lot of people think, well, that's ridiculous. Bigfoot's a myth too, you know. But honestly, one of the things is we never go where they go. And so first of all, his theory, though, was that humans drove these hairy ape-like creatures who were um, upright walking apes uh, into areas where they don't make fossils anymore. 
because fossils don't form in deep jungles and forests. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, debunkers of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, all these different big hairy creatures is that people say, well, okay, if they were around, we'd be finding their carcasses. But probably not. Because first of all, if you go into the deep jungles and forests, do you ever dig? Who digs in the deep jungles and forests? But also fossils don't create, are not formed in those types of areas. Things degrade, biodegrade too quickly, usually because of, you know, uh, the elements. But also where fossils form is usually in grasslands, savannas, and open areas. Uh, certain conditions create them. It's like minerals have to get into the bones and create fossils. So these... these um, to, in order to create fossils, it has to be the right conditions. It has to be a situation where maybe um, something gets stamped into the ground, like a like a human, for example, gets stampeded in the ground by um, a pack of elephants or something, and then you know that eventually that works its way down to certain minerals that preserve. But in in the deep forested areas. It doesn't work that way. So you don't have the right minerals to create the fossils a lot of times. So I, in theory, as Lloyd Pye postulated, was that humans must have chased and, and chased them away into the areas that we don't go. And see, yeah, we don't really traverse that many deep jungles, forests, valleys, and remote spots. Even if we think we do, we really don't. I mean... There are places, even on this populated island, that there hardly anybody goes and maybe hasn't been and possibly people have hardly ever been steep ravines and things that humans cannot get in because, um, well, inaccessibility, dangerous. But if you're an animal and at that a very, um, a very advanced animal, you can do these kind of things. We're not made for those kind of environments, you know. A lot of dense places are surveyed from the air. So as much as we think we're we're king of the earth and we know everything, we really don't because we don't have access. We don't go to those places, you know. Uh, people don't know how to survive in them. And generally humans, before they lived in civilization, lived in grasslands, savannas, and open areas. So what Lloyd Pye was saying is the prehumans are the hominoids, upright walking apes. And that all they were was, uh, you know, a very advanced ape that would was did evolve from crawling on all fours to upright walking. But humans chased them away, you know, and and chased them into the deep, deep forest. And Bigfoot could be those hominoids. Um, and yeah, um, Bigfoot is found, you know, Sasquatch, Yeti. Found on all continents. You'd be surprised. On a lot of people think, oh, they just found in like Northern California, Oregon, Washington, that kind of place. They're they're everywhere. Because you've of course heard of the abominable, abominable snowman, the Yeti, or the Almas, um, the Yowie of uh, Australia. So they they're found in Siberia, Brazil, Vietnam, Himalayas. You know, all over planet Earth, there are sightings and. A lot of these indigenous cultures talk about these big, hairy creatures. And the reason that you are told they don't exist 
I think, is that they are the closest to the missing link because there is no missing link. I mean, that a lot of people will argue with that, but where is it? You know, um, if we were to prove the existence of the, of this, you know, elusive creature, Bigfoot, then it threatens Darwin's theory of evolution, and it brings new questions about where we came from because we're obviously not that, and we're we're obviously much different. Explain. Uh, one reason why the controlling elite would not want the uh, Bigfoot captured and has not ever really tried to, because you know that they probably did know about it. I'm sure uh, these are apparently migratory animals that are nocturnal. So how many dense places do you go? At, in the middle of the night and and see and and you know hang out only when you're camping and that's where a lot of these these uh stories of sightings actually come from and see these they are smart faster than any other animal in the forest so yeah um and they're migratory and they probably you know some people speculate that they eat each other's dead yeah it could it could be that um and there and there there's a lot of you know People that have said they have found carcasses, but dismissed, dismissed by mainstream media, of course. And you have to wonder about things like this, where where there are thousands of sightings, and we're just told that they're all a hoax, right? Seventy to eighty percent of sightings or evidence cannot be proven as a hoax of the Bigfoot. They're just things that people can, that of any quote unquote experts can just only go, okay, I can't find any fault in it, but there's just no actual evidence here, you know. But, yeah, um, I know that there's fakers, but I don't think every single one is a fake. I mean, just in my family alone, I have two separate relatives in Washington who have had Bigfoot encounters. One relative, this is in like the, the 40s, was sleeping in a tent, and in the middle of the night, they claim that Bigfoot shook their tent because the would have been my great uncle got out, you know, um, of the tent, saw the creature, realized it was not a human, was not a bear, shook their tent, freaked them out. He went back in the tent and it went away. Uh, I have another set of relatives who were out hiking in Washington state at night. They, you know, Stayed out too late, and they were on their way back, you know, kind of got lost off the trail, I guess. And they smelled an awful smell. And I guess these things carry a really pungent odor. And they heard the strangest sounds that – and, you know, these guys were, I think, pretty um, – you know, distant relatives of mine. They they have – they're pretty knowledgeable, though, about the animals of the forest and the sound that they were hearing – was nothing that they've ever heard before. It was it was a howling type of sound, and it wasn't the same kind of howling you've ever heard in your life. So, you know, just in my family alone, and I'm sure a lot of people have family members all over the place that have had encounters with certain things like this. And so, you know, are these people liars? I don't think so, you know. Uh, I, I don't, they didn't do it for attention. These these two stories, they didn't go to the officials and report it or anything like that, you know. But yeah, 
So again, deep forest creatures. So yeah, that could be a reality. So when you look at that, when you look at the evidence that that could be a possibility, and then you go back and you look at a lot of these other stories about giants, you got to wonder, you know? And of course, giants. Let's get into that for a little bit here. So giants, of course, there's Goliath in the Bible, defeated by David. And apparently a real story. Uh, you know, um, these were, I believe he was supposed to be about nine feet tall. Well, there's been eight foot tall humans in our lifetime, people that have been big. Uh, I think, you know, I think he, he passed away now. The tallest man in the world at one time was eight foot something rather. You know, big big people, there there definitely are people that are, are still pretty big and not quite as big as Goliath. But here, you know, it's a pretty believable story. In the Bible, um, King Bashad was all that remained of the Raphaim. And what Raphaim is, is giants in Hebrew. And he was buried in a cave somewhere in Damascus. So uh, there is uh, a whole story behind that in the Bible that I'm sure you could look up yourself if you like. So, um, and then in Malta, it is said that there was the last stronghold of giants in Europe. So they're all over the place. Um, people have encountered giants in legends, and even there's more evidence than that. In, in mostly in the 1800s, giant skeletons have been found in places, even in the United States. Giant mounds in the, in the Midwest, the United States, Greece, even Greenland, Middle East, Italy, and these are, these are burial sites of these giants. Uh, in France, in 1890, they found a skeleton of what they they estimate was someone who was about 11 foot 6. And the skulls that they found were 32 inches in circumference. Now, I don't really know what your average human head is, but I know that's pretty damn big. So, um, some of these skeletons that they found were believed to be 10 to 15 foot tall races of beings. So, so there's actual evidence of these things. And so some were extraordinary large skulls, and some of these skulls had horns and extra rows of teeth. And in some cases, some of the uh, giants they found in America, six fingers and six toes. And so, um, you know, I know this sounds just crazy, but... It's there. I mean, you can get this off Wikipedia. You can go take a look for yourself, you know? Um, and so all over the world, you got these. And and uh, one, of the, one of the giant stories comes from what is now modern-day Nevada, where the uh, Paiute Indians, they had a, a story about giants who were uh, – Wrote a princess, a Paiute princess, wrote about red-haired giants, red hair, and how they were cannibals and ate the dead and ate their tribe. They lived in a cave. Again, I talked about a cave earlier. They lived in a cave. These giants, when they found them in the cave, were six to seven foot tall. All right, bigger than your average people. You know, that's not huge. There's a lot of people that are that big. But what's interesting, with red hair, mummified these were mummified um giants and they had red hair now that's pretty strange red hair in a place 
where the native people all had black hair and nothing of the sort of red-haired people in those those cultures. And that crisscrosses with another thing, the Viracocha. Now, the, who they were were um, apparently the creators of of um, are attributed to be the creators of amazing citadels in in Peru and in the Andes. Um, these red-haired Viracochas. They were described as light skin, like Caucasian, red hair, and um, with white cloaks. They bared white cloaks. So they were, they were um, described as the creators, uh, oftentimes, and civilizers as well. So there you have civilizers again. And and again, different looking than any native of these regions. Red hair. And from the origins in these parts, the Viracocha decided to make a world for man to live in. And in one of the stories, it says that the Viracocha stoned figures of giants, giants which he brought to life. At first, all went well. Then after the time, after time, the giants began to fight amongst each other and refused to work. Viracocha decided he must destroy them. So he turned them back into stone, and the rest he destroyed with the great flood. And of course, that brings up well, that brings up two things really. Uh, I talked about the great flood in the last episode, and how in ancient Sumer, Enlil hated Enki's creations, and they had become unruly. So it was said that he started the great flood to basically cleanse the earth of this abomination of creation that the Anunnaki had created. Um, and of course, the Bible and and that the sons of man laid with the daughters of men, creating the Nephilim, and God destroyed these wicked creatures from the flood. Three different stories there. Uh, so there you have that aspect of it. I think I might cut out here. I'm going to go a little bit over. No worries, though. If you uh, hear a little cut out, it always happens uh, when I go over a little bit. So bear with me here. Um but yeah, the other thing that the Viracocha store reminds me of is he brought stone figures of giants to life. Now, that crisscrosses with another story around the world. And that would be in on that would be on the isolated island, Easter Island, or um better known as Rapa Nui as part of the Polynesian Triangle. On Easter Island, of course, you have those statues, what are called the Moai. And the Moai have a, is a similar story. The natives there believe that those those giant stones were brought to life, and they walked. Well, then again, you go back to the Viracocha, where you have the giants. Uh, he carved great stone figures of giants, which he brought to life, and they walked. Well, and so, um, yeah. That's that's a real crazy thing to think about, but um, it does dovetail. And the thing is, the thing is, is we have that area of the world, South America and uh, Easter Island, are not really that far off from each other. In fact, actually, Easter Island belongs to Chile now, 
And so it's uh, a part of that country, and that's one of the big tourist attractions. To go to Chile, they actually send you all the way 2,000 miles out there as one of their biggest tourist attractions to Easter Island, which I'm sure is an amazing place I'd love to visit someday. But yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing connections from the ancient world. And and as as fantastic and as crazy as all this sounds, um, there is still occasionally things like this, these wild stories I'm talking about, that happen. In fact, in 1989, go research it yourself. In 1989, there was an alleged UFO landing. Giants walked out. It was in a park in broad daylight. I remember hearing about that when I was a boy in 1989 and well it sounded pretty fantastically crazy then but yeah i mean it was a park full of people you know old and young saw it kids saw it and today all these people still swear by what they saw you know you just have to think about it um but yeah giants seem to be everywhere i mean what what are this what is this all this all about you know it's got to be something to this, right? I mean, giants seem to be in the tales of so many cultures. You can go to the Greek, Roman, Basque, Norse, Celtic, Hindu, and on and on and on. All these cultures had giants. And even here in Hawaii, if you look at how the second wave of Polynesians were much bigger than the first people, the first people were huge. In fact, the Polynesians were often really big, still are, but if... Uh, king Kamehameha, first king of Hawaii, was seven foot tall, and many people in his generation were huge like that. They came in and wiped out the little people. Well, that was the initial settlers who were in the Marquesans, who were also known as the Minihuni, the smaller people. They weren't really little. They were just like regular us people size, five foot range. So little to someone who is seven foot tall, yeah. Um, and then the Watusi are average seven foot today, the Watusi tribes of Africa. So there are still big people, and I think this big lineage possibly has something to do with it too. Hard to say, you know. I mean, it, it, it's baffling, and I don't have the answers to half of these things, and most people don't either. But yeah, um, the Bible talks about there were giants in the earth in those days. Now, if you notice in the earth, and it actually says that, in the earth. In a lot of these legends, these giants lived in caves, in the earth. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it was giants who put together these huge megalithic structures on the earth. I mean, it could make some sense. I mean, these maybe these giants were really the workers that the, the Anunnaki genetically put together as their slave race. And I mean, yeah, it would take a giant to build some of these enormous things that we can't even do today. Um, and, of course, the Anunnaki were giants, too, supposedly, and at least uh, pictured as giants compared to your average human. Uh, but, yeah, so next next part in the series, I'll get into these megalithic structures and everything. But, yeah, that, then, of course, then there's the uh, thought, though about when I was talking before about this this story with the Anunnaki back to ancient Sumer, there's the thought that the offspring of them were these human hybrid or Nephilim and that those the the Anunnaki left these, you know, half breeds in charge that had their bloodline that comes from the gods, right? 
this this royal bloodline, this right to rule. And uh well, that that's it's possible that um that's the case, but you know, then you have to ask the logical question of how did the giants turn into regular sized people? Cuz yeah, the queen of England's not a giant. So and you know, it could be from mixing more than more over generations with regular human blood. So eventually these people just started to blend. I mean, it has been many thousands of years. And that's a possibility. Uh, or maybe these giants still exist. Maybe there's some still in the earth. What do we know? We just, you know, we don't know. Uh, but I don't know the answer to that. I have no idea. And I don't think anybody does that is just trying to do research and trying to figure things out for themselves. But uh, it's pretty obvious that you can trace the royal bloodlines back to ancient Sumer. It came from the start of civilization, and it's got to be where they think they have divine right because they have a bloodline to the quote-unquote gods, so they therefore have that right to rule. Um, and there's so much to explore, and, it, and it's so puzzling. I mean, all this. At the same time, you have to admit that the Earth is much stranger than we ever knew. And and how do we know much about anything? All we do is we go to work and slave for the system. That's all we do, you know? I mean, what do you know? All, what do you what do I know? We don't know much. We don't know but what we've been fed and what we've been told. But once you know that the hand that's been feeding you has been corrupted and giving you so many lies, it's just like when a child lies to you so many times or anybody lies to you, you're not going to trust them anymore. You know? And so, how do we know much of anything? So, what I call this information is back burner information. If if new clues come forth to any of this, then you add it into it. If things happen on the planet and open up this information uh, more, it opens it up, then then you can connect dots. And, And it's just stuff that you have to keep on the back burner and go, wow, well, you know, um, that's a possibility. And, yeah, do I think it's real? And that's, I think it's good to consider all this as a possibility. When you hear the same thing from two or more totally independent sources, then there's some to, something, I think, to at least consider or look into, right? And as you've seen, the dovetailing of all these worldwide cultures in in different things, from giants to Sasquatch to, uh, uh, you know, connection with beings and things from the sky, you know, these earth mysteries really do hold some weight. And I think it's foolish and ignorant not to at least look into it. But can you hold this information? Can you store it somewhere and keep it as just consideration? Can you come to the realization that this entire construct we call civilization is a lie and you ha- you and I both have been conditioned this whole time can you come to that realization and so i mean you know maybe this information i'm covering these last 3 shows may not seem relative- relevant to what's going on on planet earth right now because here you know most of my shows are more about the present and i'm talking about things that maybe you can relate to a little bit more and this is a uh, kind of a tangent uh, abstract tangent on this show 
but I, it all connects. It's all part of a larger picture, and it's all important to realize and know all this. I think it's important. Um, so, you know, and it's interesting. It, bottom line, it's interesting. You don't have to, but look at the evidence yourself. At least consider it. Don't just write it off, you know? So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you enjoy the show, please promote. Um, tell your friends. Uh, you know, I go many different directions on this show. There's not one place I can, I just go only, but always chanting it down, always coming back to that. And if you really like the show even more, purchase an album. This month, March, I am giving a special of $5 albums uh, of the music that I, I may have made in the past and am a musician of the genre hip-hop, or I should say more abstract hip-hop. Then buy the album Waking the Systemites. It's $5. All you got to do is uh, go to PayPal and uh, go to... Uh, peoplebeyondthis at gmail.com send the money to peoplebeyondthis at gmail.com peoplebeyondthis at gmail.com and I'll send an album out to you for basically free so that's um, some way you can help support the show too and uh, I always appreciate that I wanted to also promote you know um, an event that's coming up that if you're going to if you enjoy the information I give and you're Wanting to see a bunch of minds together that are amazing, check out the Free Your Mind 4 conference. It's April 15th, 16th, and 17th in Philadelphia. Actually, it's in it's actually at the Sheraton Hotel in Bucks County, which is right outside uh, right outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And just Google up Free Your Mind 4. So many great speakers in one place. Ways to open the mind, ways to see life through new lens. If you've never been there before, and if not, if you're someone that's of like mind and I'm preaching to the choir, then people that that you can relate to. So that is something that uh, if you're in the area, if you can support, I think that those voices in that conference are really amazing and awesome. And you can always write me at stayrootsmusic at gmail.com if you have something to say, something to add. I get your emails. I enjoy them. Thank you very much. I enjoy the support. Thank you all of you who listen out there that really get what I'm talking about and that chant it down. We all need to chant it down and keep on chanting down. So this is episode 76 of Chant It Down Radio, and thank you for listening. Um, I will continue to do this series of shows on and off. This series of shows, to me, is very interesting, but it's limiting, and I don't have half the information that some other people out there do. This is my, this is my weak link in the chain of information. It's, it's a tangent, but it's important and so I'll be getting lots of guests on and I'll be coming back to this series of shows. So the best way to listen to the archives, well there's a lot of ways, but if you want to, you know, kind of get into series of shows, a lot I have a lot of different little mini series of shows on this show and you could easily just go to Blog Talk Radio where this comes out of the network and go to the Channel Down Radio page soon to have a website which will make it much more organized and not as confusing because I do have 75 other episodes out there you can listen to. But here on this show, 
today, um, this would be part three, again, of this series of shows. And I might take little breaks here and there, come back to it. But this is a building perspective as I've gone through quite a bit of meaty information that I think as long as you take it in strides and hopefully it's not too boring for you. I, I don't want to make a boring show, but I like to bring factual information to put to the table so you can go, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to take a look. Always do your own research, you know. But there's a lot to think about with this. And, and there's such a bigger, stranger world out there than we've been shown because all we do is go to work. And we need to chant that down and be real humans on planet Earth. We need to get out there and actually live life and be people that we're supposed to be and not somebody else's vision of what we're supposed to be. Chant that down. Chant down the dumb, ignorant fools out there that want to be so carried away with the masses. All the people out there that want to just be uh, the repeaters be repeating the same old bullshit, and I'm sick of it. I want people to free themselves, and it's hard. But those of us that know the information and know the truth of the reality we live in, we need to start getting that out there to a bigger audience and people that really want to make some difference here and not just be ignorant, repeating fools. We can all do better than that. So chant it down, everyone. Thanks for listening to these last three episodes that have been, um, you know, on this tangent and lots of information to sift through. But um, I hope you enjoy them. And as always, this this come coming to you live from the Hawaiian Islands. Keep on chanting down, everyone. Be a warrior, not a warrior. Are you awake now?